<clears throat> well, you're glad that I didn't, I didn't have it on when I was singing, so <laughs> you were fortunate. Am I the only one who's noticed that these past three weeks that we've talked about giving, that the attendance has been down? <laughs> Anyone else see that? I don't know why this is, because giving is what God has blessed us with. And it's an act of Christian discipleship. And it's an act of seeing Jesus as Lord of all of our life. Let me first say that God doesn't need any of our money. He has the cattle on 10,000 hills. We give out of our thankfulness for all the gifts that God has given us. We give because we love God. Whenever we give gifts, it's because we care about the person we are giving to. We love them and want to bring them joy. Let me tell you a story about a little seven-year-old boy. It happened a long time ago. It was around Christmas time, around this time of the year, and he went to the church's fall festival. And this fall festival, they had booths where different women's groups and all sold things and all. And he had bought presents for his father and aunts and uncles and other friends that he was buying presents for. And the only one he hadn't bought presents for was his mother. And so he went and was looking and he saw this beautiful green cloisonne heart. And he wanted to buy that for his mom. And he asked the lady how much it cost, and she said, it's $5. And the little boy said, I don't have $5. She said, well, check back later, and maybe it'll be reduced. Well, at that point, the lady knew that that little boy was going to get that, that hard, no matter how much money he had. He came back later, and it was $4, and even later, and it was 3 And finally, she said, son, how much do you have? So I've got 50 cents. And he said, that's exactly what the price is now. And he brought that heart, and he gave it to his mom for Christmas. And she had all kinds of jewelry, some of it really nice and beautiful and expensive. But the lady had told her the story, and that was her most prized piece of possession. You see, I know that story because I was a little boy. <coughs> and Nancy's wearing the <laughs> cloisonne. <laughs> heart now. My mother wore it for our wedding, for uh, my ordinations, for all the important occasions in our life. My mom always wore that cloisonne heart because it meant so much to her. Well, we can't give God anything that means anywhere close to what that did to my mom. But when we ask ourselves, why do we give? Is it out of duty or out of love? If you don't already tithe, you are missing a great blessing. In recent years, many people have been forced into financial positions of hardship, and they've had to struggle to keep up in a very shaky economy. People from all walks of life have been affected by the rising cost of living and often a decreased income. Families struggle to keep up with House payments and car payments and credit card payments and electric bills and food bills and all the, f the different areas that we, pay our, we have to pay from. And one of the areas that's been very adversely affected is the church. Our giving to the church has gone down, typically. We give to the church, we, we think, well, you know, God will understand. 
You don't understand that I have all these debts that needed to be paid for. I can kind of cut out my, my gift to the church or I can reduce it. He can wait. He's not going to foreclose on my house. I'll just cut back and I'll make it up sometime. The trouble is we never do. Now, it makes sense to do that. It's all wrong. As I said before, God doesn't need our money. He wants your love. And the one of the ways that we show his love is by giving gifts. We give out of our love of God for God and what he's done for us in the overflowing and grateful heart. Did you know that the Bible mentions pray or prayer 289 times, love 363 times, but it mentions give or giving 1,043 times? It's important to God. Why do you think God places so much importance on giving? I believe that it's because you and I are naturally selfish and stingy. That's just who we are. So giving is hard for us. As long as we're preaching about sin and forgiveness and all those wonderful theological issues, it's no problem. That doesn't affect me. It's the other guy that we're talking about who's the evil sinner or who needs forgiveness. Or when we start talking about money, we're now talking about my wallet, my money, my money. Not God's money, but my money. What's in your wallet? Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to be generous? If we're going to meet the goals that we have of paying off the debt and beginning to raise money for a new sanctionary, we all need to look seriously at our giving. The motivation for giving is because we are thankful for what God has done in our lives. If you're wondering whether you have things to be thankful for, let me have you consider this. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, and a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of those who live in this world. If you woke up this morning more healthy than ill, you are better off than the one million people who will not survive this week. If you have money in the bank and in your wallet, you are among the 8% of the wealthiest people on earth. If you can attend a church meeting without fear of harassment or arrest or torture or death, you are more blessed than three billion people on earth. And if you can read and write, you're more blessed than two million people on earth who cannot. We have a lot to be thankful for. A lot to be thankful for. We don't realize how blessed we are. Nancy and I just got back from a trip to to uh, China. And with all the wonderful things you hear about China, how they're building buildings and all that stuff, you don't want to live there. I can tell you that right now. You don't want to live there. You don't own anything. China owns all the property. You just rent it. You don't have anything. It was a bleak. We had a wonderful time, but it was a bleak experience to be there with all these big buildings, cities that are will house two million people that are empty. 
because they needed to build the city to keep the economy going. We have been so richly blessed that we shouldn't even have a thought. The leadership of this church should not even have to think about finances because we give out of our abundance and out of our thankfulness. If you've been a member of Emmanuel for any length of time, you know that it's very important for us to pay off the, the debt on, on this land and buildings. In 2000, we gave up all of our buildings saying, you keep the buildings, we'll keep the faith. These present buildings have a 20-year lifespan, and we're already 10 years into that 20-year lifespan. You know we, we have a need. And that should be all that anyone has to say is, we have a need, That's it. <laughs> we have a need. <laughs> okay, we all should just step forward and say, oh, here, 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 here. Okay. The scripture makes it clear that in the body of Christ, if there is any need, then the body responds and takes care of that need. We need the debt paid off, and we need funds to start a new building. It's as simple as that. And the body of Christ needs to respond out of the thankfulness of our hearts. Thankfulness that God gave us the greatest gift, his son, as the price for our sins. Now, there's some clergy who dread talking about giving. I've always liked preaching about giving. Because it's a way you see the congregation's spiritual temperature. I generally knew what people gave, not because I cared what dollar amount was, but if someone who always gave $5 suddenly started giving 10, something had happened in their life. If someone who gave 10 suddenly started giving 5, something happened in their life, and as their pastor, I wanted to know. And I didn't check every week, but every now and then I'd go in and say, any changes in people's giving? And the treasurer knew that that's what I was looking for. And they'd tell me, this person or that person. You could see if it was down, I needed to go talk to them. If it was up, I needed to go talk to them. Because <laughs> I needed to see what was happening. We're called to live out our faith consistently in every area of our lives, including our finances. When the church talks about giving, it's not trying to get the last nickel out of your pocket. It's to help you develop and grow spiritually. Scripture also says that where your heart is, there your treasure will be. So the, the Capital One credit card says, what's in your wad? You see, if we're left to our own devices, materialism has a way of eating up our life. Things get in the way of God. The best intentions fall by the wayside. And we get sidetracked. How many of you have said in January, this year I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover? And how many days or weeks or months did you make it? How about, oh, I'm going to set aside a special time and a special place where I can pray every day. And after a few weeks, maybe a month, that place gets swallowed up by other things. I love the way Paul explains this in the scripture we heard today from Corinthians. Uh, from Corinthians yeah. He used the example of a farmer sowing seeds. And the concept is in direct opposition 
to what we usually perceive about giving. We tend to think of giving as losing, and it's not at all. How many times have you thought, you know, if I didn't put that tithe in the offering today, that could go to make the car payment. Or maybe, God knows I need some new tires for the car, so maybe I'll put in a little bit smaller amount and put the rest toward the, the, car, the tires. I'll catch up next week, though. Don't worry. I'll catch up next week. Or if I cut back on my church giving, I could take that trip that I've always wanted to take but never just had quite enough funds for. You know, we always look at giving as losing, but that's not what God says in Scripture. He makes it abundantly clear that to give and to give generously is really to receive. From one inner ear of corn, stripped of all of its kernels, comes many ears of corn. The more abundantly we sow, the more abundantly our blessing. To give is to sow. How well are you sowing? If a farmer, farmer puts seed in the ground, he will reap a harvest. If he holds on to that seed and not plant for a year, or says, I think I have so little seed, I think I'll eat that seed, he is not going to have anything at harvest time. Those kind of decisions guarantee that the farmer will have a crisis at harvest time. The future of the farmer is totally dependent upon getting the seed into the ground, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard, hot it is or hard the ground is, we've got to get the seed in the ground in order for it to do anything. Can't expect a crop unless you sow the seeds. It's the way God's law works. And it does work. It really really works. If you're sowing sparingly, you'll probably reap sparingly. Maybe you're the one who's eating the seed, not sowing at all. Full belly, but not anything next week. I'm not talking about those TV evangelists who said, send your dollar and you'll get $10 more. That's poor theology. No, that's bad theology. You don't give to get. Getting just happens to be what happens when you give. Does that make sense? It's like faith and works. <laughs> it's, not, it's not works, it's faith, but when you have faith, you do works. But it's not works that get you in, it's faith. That, anyway, you know that whole thing. <laughs> we receive far more from God than we ever give to him. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 tells us that the person who freely gives receives even more, and the person who withholds his money becomes poverty-stricken. When you're generous, even your appliances can work much longer. Dale, how long did your washer and dryer last? 43 years. <laughs> Air conditioner? About 35. <laughs> now, I've always tithed, but my, my appliances haven't lasted that long. <laughs> but see, I think that was a response of God to a faithful family that tithed. And I know 
because I lived next door to him. And some of the times in those early years in the 70s, it was tough to pay a tithe, to give that tithe to the church. But they did every week. And it was difficult with three boys to make the, that, that gift. So as we move forward to the beginning of our commitment to pay off the debt and plan for new buildings, we need to do one thing that's vital. Pray. Pray. Pray as individuals and as a family. I want to suggest to you that have children living at home that you bring the children into that prayer time, that the children are also part of the decision that you make about what you're going to give to the, fund, the capital funds campaign. Let it not just be your decision, but the, not just the two of you or the, the, the one, the, whoever it is that's making the decision, but that you include the children because they need to learn about tithing. Encourage them to tithe their allowance. I did from the time I was a little bitty boy. I always had you know, my nickel that went in the offering plate at church when I was a little boy. It's never too young to teach about tithing, and it's a habit that will continue throughout their life. Let me pray. Let me repeat. Pray about your gift. Don't just put down a number that you think will be acceptable to God. Stretch a little. Seek God's will and then give. We need to get the debt paid off and funds started to build a new building. It's that simple. I don't know what they're going to say next week. Caleb didn't tell me what I was supposed to say this week. I just said what I wanted to say. <laughs> but now, <laughs> after I've talked about this, let's talk about receiving. And everyone breathes a sigh of relief. <sighs> now, <laughs> now I'm going to get something. <laughs> now we're going to talk about receiving. <laughs> that's a whole lot better. <laughs> uh, I like receiving. <laughs> it's the giving that's the hard part. That's what we all just said. Well, God gives gifts to us beyond our wildest dreams greatest spiritual gift I ever received after salvation happened about this time in October 48 years ago when Nancy and I and several other people from St. Andrews went to hear a, a priest from Seattle Washington by the name of Dennis Bennett talk about the Holy Spirit he talked about the powerful work of the Holy Spirit how powerfully the work of the Holy Spirit could be in our lives today that we could have the same Pentecostal experience that the people at, in Acts 2 had. And I wanted that. When he talked about, about this and then at the end of his talk said, anybody who would like to come forward for prayers, I was jumping over seats to get up there. I wanted to be the very first in line. And I was prayed for that night. And I experienced the release of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I had known Jesus since I was a little boy. Jesus had always been part of my life. My family went to church just about every Sunday. Never got those pins for perfect attendance because <laughs> we always missed, missed one or two in a year. But we were there just about every Sunday. I knew Jesus. But I wanted the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And when I had that opportunity, 
I ran for it. It's a gift that I can never repay. Can never repay God for allowing me to experience the release of the Holy Spirit. I've been privileged to pray for thousands of people in the last 47, 48 years to have that same experience. The release of the Holy Spirit in my life enabled me to fulfill God's purpose for my life. The Holy Spirit guides me and teaches me and comforts me when, I'm, when I don't know what to do and convicts me when I'm wrong. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and another gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. That means that everyone in this congregation has a gift of the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus and have asked the Holy Spirit into your life, you have a gift of the Holy Spirit. And you need to be using that gift to the glory of God to fulfill the plan that God has for you in your life. If you've not experienced the wonderful gift, then talk to someone. A whole bunch of folks in Emmanuel who know all about this will be glad to share with you from their own personal experience. Once you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, your life will never, ever, ever be the same. One thing I do know is that you can never outgive God. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that the law of sowing and reaping works regardless of what is happening in the current world economy or in my personal finances. You say that a tithe is the minimum standard of giving, and I want to obey you because I love you. Giving is part of my worship to you. Thank you for your promise that if I give, it will be given to me again. It is part of the personal promise to me. Thank you for all you do for me. It is out of my gratitude that I return a portion of my earthly goods to you to do the work of your kingdom. Bless my offering today and give me the wisdom to seek you in every area of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.